We love you, Jesus. We stand in awe of you. We worship you as one family, as one body. You as our head. You are the head of our family. You are the head of our body. And we worship you. And we give you glory tonight. In Hebrews it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Faithful we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. Jesus has been there. Whatever situation you're in, he's been there. That's what this scripture says. And it says he's not unable to sympathize with what you're going through. He's able to sympathize. But there's one thing I don't hear a lot of, and that is that our God is a God of sympathy. And thank God He's not a God of sympathy. Because to me, sympathy sounds like hopelessness. Sympathy sounds like, well, we feel for you, but there's not much we can do. But our God is not a God of sympathy. Our God is a God of hope. He's the God of all hope. And the very next verse is, So then, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in time of need. Our God is not a God of sympathy, but He's a God of grace and mercy because there's an answer to every situation in Jesus' name. We don't need His sympathy, though He does. He's got something better. He's got a way out. He's got a higher way. He's got a higher call. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you don't just sympathize with us, but you pour out your grace. You pour out your mercy, Jesus. We thank you. That means we're not destined to remain where we are. We're destined to move forward in grace through your mercy. We thank you for each person here, Lord. We lift up any need. We thank you. You see every need. Thank you for the word tonight, that it propels us forward, that it accomplishes everything you set it out to accomplish. Thank you. Not one of us would leave unencouraged, unchanged, and unmoved by your word, Lord. We love you, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. This platform is yours. This altar is yours. The truth is yours. We thank you. You guide us into all truth tonight. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand.
if I need to. No. Test. Okay, it works here. Welcome. All right, it's working. We're on. Welcome once again. Uh, if anyone is visiting us and it's your first or your second time, a huge welcome to you. Welcome to our family. Um, it's great to have you with us. We're going to do something a little bit different today, you know, just because, you know, it's sunny, it's a nice day, you know what it's like. Why don't you just stand to your feet? Because um, I didn't tell you to sit down anyway. So stand to your feet and um, find someone you don't know and just give them a high five and say, it's good to see you today. How you going, brother? All right, awesome. All right, don't get carried away, all right? Don't get carried away. <laughs> Good. Microphone doesn't work. That's all right. One. All right. Hold it in the middle. All right, done. Hit the one in the middle. All right, well, I was saying, um, you know, we're family, so it's good to say hi to people we may not have met before. And, um, yeah, let's just make a habit of doing that because that's how we connect and that's how we, um, we grow together. Amen? Uh, the kids have left us. You would have noticed it's quieter already. Don't forget to pick them up as soon as the service is over, just so um, the team can be relieved up there. But um, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Hallelujah. I know I am. And um, it's going to be an awesome word. You can get all the messages, uh, all the sermons, and even the sermon notes um, by scanning that QR code there and find... Sorry? The mark of the beast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, let's welcome up Pastor Tony as he comes to bring the word. You there? Are we on? Praise God. Come, Maddie. Um, there's no one else here, eh? I just want to pray um, a good friend of mine's dad and Maddie's grandfather, and obviously Marnie and, and the guys, he's in hospital now. They haven't given him long to live. Been there in the, uh, in the hospital all day. and that. So we're going to pray, eh, and come to an agreement. So if you can extend your faith, and if anyone else, there's, I know Sonia's mum's in hospital. She's not doing well. But anyone in your heart, that you, you can bring it up. God doesn't need a circus. He just needs your heart of faith. Amen? So extend your faith and we're going to pray come Matt. Father in the name of Jesus I thank you Lord we can come boldly to the throne of grace because the veil was torn at the cross that we could come boldly to obtain mercy in a time of need Father you said ask the Father whatever you have in your heart and he shall give it to you so Lord I ask you now by your mercy to touch Uncle Habib right in that hospital right now Father that you can make a way when there is no way Father your word is final for you said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who comes to me, even if he dies, he shall live. 
And Lord, I pray in that hospital bed that you would flood that, that hospital bed with the love of the Holy Spirit in there right now. For angels hearken unto the voice of your word, Lord. And we declare his body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus has washed him, Lord. I thank you, Father, that he, that he, has a, he understands that you are the one and only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Lord, I thank you right now. We can see a miracle in your hands, Father. I thank you, Lord, that the breath you gave him is yours, Father. And you have all your will with him. That you can, we can stand firm, Father. I ask you to touch Aunty Sadie and the family right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, this is a man who opened his house to anyone, Father. He welcomed people in communion, Father. And I thank you, Father, that you would stand there before him in that room right now. You give him the peace that passes all understanding. For he shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I give you all the praise. Let him be a testimony to you, Father. For your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we stand firm on your love, Father. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Oh, you can be seated. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Awesome. You've been doing good. The weather's been great. It's been cold at night, isn't it, in the morning? But you, know, you didn't come here to, so I can tell you about the weather. But that's, it's, um, I love this, type of, this time of year. And um, it's awesome to be with you. And, and the Lord's put on my heart a message, and it's probably going to take me two weeks to, to finish. No good. All good. Praise God. Good. It might take me two weeks to get through this and, and whatever the Lord wills. Um, and the reason why I say that might take me two weeks. That way you have to come back next week to finish. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. So, so I guarantee you, you have to come back next week. All right. And then you get a pass mark. All right. For someone who never passed anything in his life. I'm a picture person. Now, the scripture says what it says, and it means what it means. How many know that when Jesus says something, he means it? When he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he hasn't got a stutter. Well, he didn't say it twice. and The translators would write it twice, because in, 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 in the way they wrote it, he was saying, listen. That woke everyone up that was asleep. He was trying to get a point across that what I'm about to tell you. Now, whatever Jesus says is very important, amen? When he says it twice, it's very, very important. If he says it three times, obviously no one's listening. So we, when we read the Scripture, the, the Scripture is a book of history. It's a book of laws and rules and, and, and conditions. It's a book of poetry. It's a book of parables, allegories. It's, it's truth. And the Holy Spirit, and with us, we can discern and go through the Scriptures and, and to learn what Jesus is trying to say. People, people say, do you take the Bible literally? I said, yes. And I know where they're going with this. Because the next thing you say, well, he says to chop your arm off if your, sin, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He says, do you do that? I said, no. He says, will you take a literal? I said, yes. He says, but didn't you pluck your eye out? I said, no. So you take a literal? I said, yes. Next dumb question, you know. And what I, what I went on to say to this guy, see, you want to pinpoint things in the Bible that, that you wanna look, you're looking for something to make it sound like this Bible's not right because why would you pluck your eye? I go, can I ask you a question? He said, I said, when you read the Scripture, do you read the whole Scripture? Do you read the whole story? Do you read the whole parable? Do you read the whole chapter or you just read one verse? 
Because most cults start from one verse. And I said to the guy, he goes, it's unlawful for anyone to cut themselves in the Bible. So what is he saying? If I die now, does my body go to heaven or does my spirit go to heaven? And my soul, he goes, your soul. I go, so why cutting my hand? What's that going to do? In other words, let's have a look at what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you need to treat sin just like if it's just something causing you to do it, cut it away. And he uses the eye and the hand as an analogy. Oh. That's what he said, oh. I said, there's some things in the Bible I do not understand, nor can I explain. But I learned this old preacher say once, he was on a, on a train back in America in the days where you could ride on a train and eat, you know, those carriages. And the atheist saw him, and he saw a Bible there, and he's eating fish. And the fish was, was um, not, not, not it had the bones. You can tell I don't eat seafood, but uh, it, had, it still had the bones, and he's eating and the guy goes, preacher man. He goes, yes. And he's eating. He says, do you believe every word in that Bible? Or sorry, do you understand every word in that Bible? He says, no. So why do you read it? He goes, isn't there some things there that's hard to understand, hard to comprehend, hard to believe? He said, yes. So why bother? And he looked at him and says, well, my brother, the Bible's just like this fish I'm eating. I'm happy to eat all the meat but not get choked up on the bones. If you want to look for a reason... Not to serve God, you'll find a million of them in the Bible. Let's be honest. True? True? But the Bible, and I often say this, the Bible, people say to me, I've read the Bible. I laugh. I go, I've never read the Bible. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, the Bible reads me. See, the Bible is a magnifying glass on my, of my heart, of my life, and what I really believe. And I'm a picture guy. So when the Lord saved me and, and I was trying to understand Scripture and I thought I had to be a theologian to understand it, but I would see things in Scripture but I could never explain it. And I, didn't have the, I couldn't articulate it and I couldn't understand it, but I just knew that God was real. And as time went on, God taught me, and, and if you understand my, who I am, where I came from, my background, I was no scholar, I'm not, not a good reader. Um, as I said, you know, uh, but, but, but I love Jesus. And I love the Holy Spirit. And some of us love the Holy Spirit, they've kicked the Holy Spirit out. Sorry, love Jesus, but they've kicked the Holy Spirit out. A lot of churches love the Father, love the Son, but the Holy Spirit's not allowed in. Because He might move in a way, or He might do something in a way that's contrary to what we believe. So a lot of people pray for an answer from God, and when it comes in the package they don't want, they say it's not God. But I've learned to know that God has His way in every way. It's His way or no way. It's his way or the highway. Freeway. What do we call it freeway when you still got paying tolls? Anyway, we won't go there. Just thought I'd throw that in. But tonight I want to talk to you about the, the crown and the thorns. The crown or the thorns. And let's read this passage of Scripture. And I want to sort of share this as best as I possibly can. Because why do we read things that we don't understand? And God gives the understanding to the hearer. So let's go to Matthew chapter 27, if you don't mind. Ready, please, Mr. Music. Remember that? What was that from again? Romper Room. Ready, please, Mr. Music. And he's the remember, remember they used to have the little glass, and uh, if you, for those who are under the age of 50, <laughs> 40, 30, they used to have Romper Room as a kid's program when, when it was normal. And at the end, she'd have a... Like a supposed to be a, a, a mirror, 
but there's no, there's no glass in it. She'd look through, I could see Peter and James and John, and you know, she'd say things like that. And I used to laugh again. Now you have to say, I see Peter, James, Abdul, Mustafa, Yusuf, Ahmed, um, you know, all, the, all of us, you know. <laughs> anyway, again, I don't know why I went there. Matthew chapter 27, because I'm trying to wake some people, religious people up. All right. If you don't like to laugh, there's the door. There's one, two, three, four, five, six doors. Take one. <laughs> when they had twisted the crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed their knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Can we go to the next verse? Then they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his clothes on him and uh, put his clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. We know the story, you've seen the movie, uh, you've seen that they were mocking him. Now, let me explain something. The Romans did this. They couldn't care less if Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews. They couldn't care less if Jesus claimed to be the Messiah of the Jews. They didn't care. They didn't care. All they were told was this guy believes he's the king of the Jews and he's upsetting the Jews. And to keep them happy. Just, just go whack him, whip him. Do what you ever want. Just don't kill him. And now they're making crowns of thorns and, and they're putting it on his head. Say, king of the Jews, are you? And they're just because they're looking for an excuse to bash a Jew. So they didn't care about that side. But this isn't interesting. They put a purple robe on him. And if you look at other translations, purple robe, and they? But if, if, if you've been around long enough, you'll see pictures of Jesus with the crown of thorns, this beautiful, nice crown of thorns, perfectly made, you know, put it on his head. But no, that wasn't, it wasn't like that. History tells us if you go down to Jerusalem, they'll see the, crown, the thorns in the trees, the thorns and the thistles. And the thistles is like a stalk with little thor- uh, uh, thorns through it. But this was... A bush that every spike was about 50 centimetres long in some cases. Just to make the, uh, the crown of thorns, you're, you're going to cut yourself. And they went to all that trouble. And they put it on his head. So they tell you, history tells you that the spikes went through his head into the nerve systems of his brain. And here they tell you they whacked him over the head with a reed. So they would have pushed it even harder on his head. It wouldn't have been a nice thorn. It would have been just a big bush. What a painful experience. That would be, because as you know, everyone touch your head. There's not much there, is there? There's no skin, it's straight to the bone, straight to the nervous system. And we understand the scripture, they were mocking him, saying, you're the king of the Jews. But you have to understand, why, why, why is that so significant to us? Like I said, there's nothing in the scripture by mistake. And we're going to start opening up our eyes and letting the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Amen? Amen. So let's go back, let's do a bit of a history on this what it means to have the thorns on his head. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13. And a bit of a backdrop here. Adam's in the garden, and we know the story, we've taught on this many times, but Adam's in the garden with Eve, and they can do whatever they want. They've got the whole garden. He says to Adam, you look after the garden. Tend to the garden. Occupy the garden. Subdue the garden. In other words, you're the gatekeeper. What comes in or what goes out is up to you. You're the boss. Look after all things. That's his only job. But that tree, you don't touch. But you can do whatever you want out of the whole garden. Just don't touch that tree. And we know the story. The enemy comes and sneaks in. 
Now, you often ask yourself, if it was paradise, why would he have to look after it? Why would he have to tend to it? Like, it's paradise. It's heaven. It's with God. But obviously, there was an enemy there. Now, Adam's job was to subdue it. He had authority over it. He had dominion over it. So God says, I'll make this garden for you. You can have over everything. I'm going to give you dominion. And it's not good for you to be alone. And he gave him a wife. A helpmate, the Bible says. But here we are now. You know the situation. The enemy comes. Can you do anything you want? Yeah, everything except touch that tree. Come on, man. What will happen? I will die. <laughs> you won't die. God's conning you. You'll eat from that tree of knowledge good and evil and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And that was the lie. See, the first lie and the misconception was they weren't like God. But the Bible says they were made in God's image and likeness. In other words, their physical appearance resembled God and their innermost being resembled God. We know that God formed man from the dust of the earth. And I said this in Brazil and I said, I always thought that God just made a little sandcastle with legs and little toes and, and then he breathed into it and this person came out of the ground. But God formed him. So God must have placed himself on the dirt and his form and blew into him and man was made. He breathed into him life and became a living being. And now they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the first thing Adam does is blame God because this is the woman you gave me, it's her fault. And we've been doing it ever since. <laughs> but God says... <laughs> no. I had to throw it in there, guys. Oh, that's right. Father's Day's last week. I can't get away with it anymore. See, God held the sin to Adam. He says, Eve was deceived, but you sinned. See, the command was given to Adam. And I've shared this many times. One of the first revelations I got over this was from a man of God. He says, it's not what Adam did that caused sin to come into the world. That he ate. He did eat. We know that. It's what he didn't do that caused sin. And I used to think, what is he on about? He says, because his job was to subdue it, look after it, be the gatekeeper, protect it. What's he doing in there? What are you talking to him for? How did it get to that point? So what he didn't do was be the man of God he was meant to be. Take dominion where he was meant to be. And he lost dominion. And guess what? His crown of glory, his dominion was given over to the devil now. So God gave man dominion over the, the sea, the air, the fields. And guess what? Man lost it and the enemy took it over. And you know that when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus didn't say, they're not yours, they're mine. He says, no, no. Only, only God shall I worship. I'm going to bow down to you, only God. See, he could have given him the kingdom because the kingdom of this world, the world system is run by who? Satan. We know he's defeated, okay? We know dominions came back to us through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen? And now the battle is for us to take up our God-given authority. Now, you and I might not have any influence over the government, over the United Nations, over the... But we have influence over our own body, our own mind, and our own families, true? Seriously, if you're a dad, you have authority over the home. Mum and dad come together as one, you have authority. Don't blame the school, don't blame uh, TV, don't blame Foxtel. It's you. If you don't stand in the gap and protect your children, what comes in your house, I made this decision many years ago, whatever comes in my house is my fault. Oh, but I work seven days a week, so do I. 
Oh, but I, so do I. But see, my prayer life starts here. See, I'm not going to protect my family outwardly. I'm going to protect with inwardly first. See, if I don't have a prayer life and I don't understand who I am in Christ and I don't now understand my authority God's given me, I, I can fight someone who comes in the door. I'll fight anyone. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'll fight anyone. Don't, trust me. I thought I'd take five blokes from one day in the car park at Paramount Leagues Club, and I lost. Thank God for a German shepherd that saved me in the car park. But I'm not here to talk about my sins. I'm not talking about yours, all right? I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll get them all. Concussion three weeks. and um. So for, I have no fear with that. But, but I can come and fight someone and kick them out. Yeah, I won, but then my kids are lost. My, my wife's lost. My family's lost because I've got no prayer life. I don't understand. So the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. See, if I know my Lord, he's going to show me things to come. We think that means he's going to show us the Antichrist and he's going to show us the blessings. No, no, he might show you that your kid's in trouble or, you know, whatever the Lord's going to show you. See, my head rules my body. True or not? The Bible says we are the church, the body, and he's the head. Everything comes from our head. We see where our eyes in our heads. We smell from our nose. It's in our head. We hear, we speak, we taste. Even if I touch something hot or cold, I need my head because without the head, the senses. You know that your eyes don't even see pictures? Your eyes only see rays of light and your head, your mind gives you the images. Your brain gives you the images. So the whole computer system of us, the motherboard is in our head. Where does the enemy attack us now? In our mind. Because if he can control the head, he can control the body. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. You got, the whole analogy is there. But before I get off sidetrack, I want to read this bit. So when Adam sinned, and God says, because of you, Adam, this is what happened, the ground's cursed with thorns and thistles. True? Anyone doubt me? Read it for yourself, Genesis, for the sake of time. But let's start from verse 13. And God says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On the belly you shall go, and shall from the, you will eat from the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It's interesting. He cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. Then he cursed the enemy. And when you say people argue, was it a real snake? And did it have legs? He cursed him. Now he's on his belly. I'm not going to get into that. But the spiritual meaning here is talking about devil. I have stripped your authority from the heavenly realms. I brought you to the earth realm. Man was made from where? The dust of the earth. True? He's cursed the earth realm now, God. God hasn't cursed the God because of you, Adam. You're dying spiritually and the world's dying. And then there's a, earth, earth, a curse coming on the earth. So man, now the devil is reduced to the, on the belly you should go and from the dust of the earth you shall eat. The devil now can only eat from the flesh realm. Why do you think God says crucify your flesh daily? Don't give ground to the enemy. Can you see the picture now? True? So now he's saying the enemy, I'm reducing you. So he fell out of heaven. That was the first judgment. The second judgment when he sinned in the garden. All right. Then the third judgment of the enemy was at the cross. The fourth judgment will be when Jesus returns 
And the last judgment will be in the lake of fire for eternity. He's been defeated, people. That's a good time to say amen. amen. See, he's been defeated when he got kicked out of heaven. Then he was stripped of all the power. Now he's only got to the earth realm. He can only eat from the dust of the earth, from the flesh realm. So now if he wants to do something, if he had the power, if Lucifer had the power that he had in heaven, we'd be all dead by now. He's got no power. The minion he's brought him down. The only power he has now is what he can make you believe or not believe. See, if he can get you to believe wrong. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It's impossible to please God without faith. So if it's all about faith, faith comes with belief. When I, when I, get, when I start believing, I start trusting. Are you with me? So if I trust God, I believe God, I have faith in God, and I read His word, it builds me up. So when the enemy talks, that's not of God. Let's not worry about the enemy. When the world talks, that's not God. Let's bring it closer. When I talk to myself in the wrong way, I don't believe you. Shut up. Because my soul cries out for him. My spirit is of him. See, that doesn't come overnight. That doesn't come by me laying hands on you. That, that comes by you dying to yourself so he can live. So here, you, a lot of people that know me have heard this. So now the earth is cursed of thorns and thistles. And he goes on to say, by the sweating of your brow or by the sweating of your face, you will toil the earth. See, before that, he didn't have to believe for nothing. Everything was coming from a tree, from a garden. Why? Because God had made it perfect. There was no curse. And all he had to do was worship God, look after it, enjoy it. And then in the cool of the day, God would come and spend time with him. Now it's cursed. Now from your hand, from the sweating of your brow, for you have to think things out now. You're going to have to dig it. Who knows, who knows gardening here? You've got, you got weeds and you've got thorns and you've got all these different things there. That, that's got something to do with stress. You know when the Bible says well, the word is sown? Some fall on hard ground, some fall on soft ground, some, some take a little bit of root, but then the thorns will choke it, which means the cares of this world. Talks about thorns and thistle. This is the cursed realm that we live in, the carnal world. So now all of a sudden... We start to think and we're trying to work things out and we're trying to do it in our own strength and that's where the enemy loves it because he starts poking us. That's why he's called the prince of the airways. He's not talking about just like, just like a radio airwave, you know, or if, they, if you play a Bluetooth on the speaker, there's a, there's, a, you know, there's a wave coming, a bandwidth on the radio, on the TV, whatever. It's, it's, he's the prince of the air. He puts a thought in the air. He comes into your mind and you start believing a lie. Then you'll watch something on TV and then you'll meet someone. Before you know it, you've, that's conceived. Next thing you know, you're... That's how it happens. It's the laugh of people who say, don't watch them. Why don't I let my kids watch TV? Okay, you're a widow. Now I think they're the smartest people that ever walked the planet. Said so the earth is cursed. Now the devil's only got the earth realm to, to, to get you by. Now if the earth is cursed with thorns and thistles, hear me out, and man was made from the dust of the earth, and by the sweating of your brow, now, he's not just talking about working, he's talking about now you're going to have to work things out, now you're going to have to try and do things in your own strength. Look what happens here. I want to show you something, this is powerful. Jesus wore the thorns. See, the, the Romans didn't know what they were doing, but God knew what he was doing. Who knows what Romans says? Not even Romans. Yeah, sorry, Romans. Romans 8, 7. I'm going to put a picture here to show you what's going on with your world. I want to put a picture here to know you that, listen, Christ has won the victory. 
And if there's no victory in your world, because you're not believing in what he's saying. Do we go through struggles on this earth? Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heed, be of good cheer. Don't let your heart be troubled. I have overcome that world. What's he saying? He's saying that systems of the world that come against you (laughs) have no power over you if you put your faith and trust in me. But whenever God says something, there's an action that follows. By faith that I'm saved. So what do I do? Sit at home and cross my feet. I'm saved. It's grace. Leave me alone. Or is there something we've got to do? See, I can't do anything to get my salvation. He saved me. Amen. Anything I can give to God is like filthy rags, the Bible says. There's nothing good in me that can give him something. But I walk by faith and not by sight. Look what it says in Romans 8, 7. Is that up there? Because the carnal mind or the natural mind or the earthly mind or the mind from the dust, let's say it any way you want, the natural man, yeah? The, the mind of a natural man is enmity against God. Enmity, who knows what en, 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 <laughs> Who knows what that means? I'm going to work the crowd. I give him a mic. No, I'm not going to do that. Who knows what that means? That just means there's, there's friction between us. There's obstacles between us. There's a war going on. We don't trust you. You don't trust. There's a fight going on. What did he say to the woman and the seed? I'm going to put enmity between you, talking about the devil, and the woman, Eve. Or you can say it this way, mankind. There's a war going on between the enemy and mankind. And from her seed and your seed, talking about the seed, which seed is he talking about? Okay, Abraham's seed will bless the nations. Who was the seed of Abraham? Not seeds, talking about many. Who was the seed of Abraham? Jesus. He was the father of righteousness. He was the father of faith. And from his seed, the nations will be blessed, Abraham. He had many children, many seeds, had Israel and then all of us, we've been grafted into Abraham's promise, which is faith. The seed talking about Jesus. The woman here can represent Eve and it can represent Mary, the mother of our Lord. Mary's seed is enmity. There's a fight going on. So between us, the devil, and Jesus and the devil. Does that make sense? So there's a war going on. But he says here in Romans that our carnal, natural mind is enmity against God. In other words, there's nothing good that your natural mind can give God. There's actually a fight going on. Now, how many people here know who's been saved over 10 years? Who's been saved over five years? Who wants to get saved? <laughs> how many, the boat, put your hand up, 10 years, you've been Christian 10 years onwards. Like when I say you gave your life to Jesus and you said, how many times has God asked you to do something and you've had a... No, I can't do that. How many times in your life? It's not a trick question, bro. <laughs> Just think about it. Solicitor, he wants to make sure he says something. He'll have a disclaimer and then he'll send it. And, uh, let's find someone who doesn't... Four or five times. Bro, this is Saint, Saint Dorian. He's Armenian, everyone. First Christian, that's why. Maddie. How many times God has put something in your heart or said something in your mind says, no way, that can't happen? Many times. Mary, you've been saved as long as me, my longer. Yeah. See, God will ask you to do things, but if you think of it in your natural mind, forgive someone. That's easy. Until you have to forgive. 
I remember a time, anyway, I won't go there. Brings up too many. <laughs> the natural mind cannot understand. Look what it says here. Because it's against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. The law of God is not talking about the Ten Commandments law. He's talking about the way God does things. See, faith and your natural mind don't go together. True? Faith and your natural mind don't go together. I remember the Lord speaking to my heart about something. And he showed me what I needed to do. I just couldn't do it because I didn't agree with it. I thought God was wrong. And I started rebuking devils because I thought it was a devil. Because my natural mind says, you must forgive and give that person money. Give that person money? God, did you not? Let me rewind my life to you. Here, he ripped me off. Here, I'm losing my house. Here, I've got no more money. He wanted me to give him money. He goes, yeah, do what as I say. How? And you know what? You have this fight between my mind and my heart. And I'm thinking... The natural mind can't understand what God's doing. Go forgive someone. And you go forgive them and there's no reaction. I remember a lady telling me, after 10 years, she felt led by the Lord in a prayer meeting, you need to let someone go and forgive them. So she said, yeah, that's it. I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm going to ring them tomorrow. She rings them tomorrow. The next day she comes back. She's got this look on her face like she wants to kill me. I go, what's wrong? Because I did what you said. Me? <laughs> Tony, not Holy Spirit, you know, don't blame me. See, when we get the victory, yeah, I told you to do that. Yeah. Don't blame me, me, take it up with God. This woman you gave me, Lord. No, I'm joking. She went and she rang this lady and said, um, uh, Look, sorry, I know it's been a long time since I spoke to you, blah, 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 blah. I want you to forgive me if I've done anything to you. She goes, Thank you, don't ever call me again. Click. <laughs> she came back and she's going off. I said, The Bible doesn't say that you're going to get a good reaction, it just says, Do it. I said, my natural mind doesn't understand that. But God understands me. See, my spiritual mind, if I was more accustomed to go, God's doing something behind the scenes. Even if I don't understand, I have to be obedient. Abraham, go and leave your family, your dad, your mom, your brothers, your sisters, and go. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go. You're crazy, man. He goes, yeah, you're crazy. He had no scripture to back him up. He had no pastor to help him. He couldn't. He came out of a demon-possessed village. The Chaldeans. Not you, God. I have to do it. Because my natural mind wars against God. And Jesus now, he's going to the cross. The Bible says, and I thought I had it here, but I don't think I have. It says, Cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Now, the word in Hebrew for tree, the same word for tree as a normal tree, is the same word for timber. So, in their language, the word, you could use it in both ways. We would say, give me the 4B2 timber. They say there's a tree. They would say the tree and the word timber is the same word. So curse anyone who hangs on a tree or on a timber. That's why when Judas hung himself, he hung himself on a tree, which is a curse. But when Jesus is hanging on a cross to the Jew in Leviticus, he's cursed of all people. And if he was from God, God wouldn't put him on a tree. See, crucifixion wasn't part of a Jewish culture. It was a Roman torture. But just to be up on a tree or up on a cross, he's a curse. But what does the Bible say? Who remembers that scripture? Jesus became a curse that you can become blessed. If Jesus became a curse, you can become blessed. So what is the biggest curse on the natural mind? What was the first attack on Adam and Eve? What was the first attack? You'd be like God. 
knowing good from evil. They were like God. And that was the first attack. So before Jesus goes to the cross to pay for our sin, he gets scourged. But before he gets scourged, guess what? They put a crown of thorns on his head. What did he do? He cursed the natural mind. He took the curse of the ground, which is man, made from the dust of the earth. He took it and placed it and took the curse of Adam so he could come and give you the mind of Christ. Say, so he took the crown of thorns and he received that curse. Now you can look at a picture. That's why the Messiah had to come. The Messiah couldn't come as an angel. See, who lost dominion? Man. So Jesus came as the son of man and took Adam's place. Literally, on the day of Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross, you and I died with him. The Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. Hang on, man, I was born in 1970. He died in 2000. There's no beginning and end with God. He dies on the cross of Calvary as Adam. He's the son of man. No sin. He who knew no sin became sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. This is basic exegesis, basic, but sometimes we forget the foundation of our faith because we are looking for miracles over there and the greatest miracles inside you. And Jesus takes those crown of thorns. That's why I'm not going to get to the, the kingly um, crown until next week. And it's interesting to know, look at this. Remember we spoke about Abraham last week taking Isaac up a, up a hill? Isaac carrying the wood up a hill. And the two servants were with him. He says, you guys stay here. We'll be back. Symbolic of the two thieves on the cross. Jesus uh, carried the cross up to Calvary. Isaac was carrying wood up the hill. And he says, Father, where's the sacrifice? And he looks at him and says, God will provide. He gets up there. He would have told him, you, you are the sacrifice. And he's willing to go. Because a 37, 30-year-old man, 15-year-old kid would fight a 100-year-old man off any day of the week. But he didn't. He's about to kill him. And the angel says, don't touch him. There's a ram's head caught where? In the thorns, in the thickle. A ram's head. The horn of a ram was caught in the thickle. And look what this says here. <laughs> Jesus is good, amen. It says here, and when, where are we? Genesis, it's in Genesis, we weren't going to read it because we just spoke about it. But in the first verse of Genesis chapter 22, verse 13, just, could you put it up there? Genesis 22. He's about to kill Isaac. That's true baby dedication. So everyone wants to dedicate their child to the Lord. Come, bring a knife and an altar and we'll... Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. What did he do? Did he look down? He was looking down. What did the Bible say? He lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes. He lifted up. He saw it from a heavenly perspective now. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. By his horns. So Abraham went and took him around and offered him up as a burnt offering instead of his son. The ram's head. Look at this picture of Christ. The ram, which Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away a sin of the world. The horns represent authority and leadership. So this ram's head was caught where? In the thickets. What was it? Thorns and thistles. That's part of the thickets, part of the curse. His head got caught there. He says, no, 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 don't, crucify, don't, don't sacrifice your son. That ram now can be the sacrifice. It's a picture of Jesus one day, the ram of God or the lamb of God who take away the sin of the world. But the first thing was, he had to take the thorns first. 
It's there in Scripture. So God, and he calls that place, uh, what do they call it again? He called that place Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rapha. God will provide. <laughs> he just shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> I don't know. Ibn Minhidah. Say so here, the ram's head's caught in the thorns. Speaks of that one day the sacrifice will take the thorns. He'll take the curse because the mind is not fruitful. Romans, we just read that the carnal mind, the natural mind, cannot understand the things of God. When I got saved, my mates could not understand me. He's lost the plot, this guy. He's having a nervous breakdown. He's having a middle-life crisis. Well, it's been lasting 21 years. He goes, you've been brainwashed. I go, praise God, because my mind needed to be washed. He goes, yeah, I have been brainwashed. My, wife, my, my mind was washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. The devil can't have me anymore. Amen. Am I perfect? Far from it, praise God. But you know, ask my wife. But in my eyes, I'm perfect in Jesus' name. Amen. So here, Romans 8.8. 8. So we just said the carnal mind has a war between God. So our natural mind is warring between God. Do I have to fear that person? How can I love that person? You want my money to give to someone over there in Brazil? You know how much I'm suffering now? He goes, well, you want me to come to church on a Sunday? 4.30, man, 4.30. The footy starts at 4 o'clock. <laughs> it's true. But, hey, come on. I'm real. I've checked the score three times already. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, you know why? Someone's texting me. Please. I oh, know you know I'm preaching. Wow. Uh. <laughs> so the mind's not fruitful. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And people say to us all the time, he's talking a lot about dying to the flesh because we can't please God in our natural self, in our physical self. There's nothing good in us in the sense that well, I can please God. But if I'm walking, the next, next, next scripture, please. But you are not in the flesh, but in the if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So what God needs to do is this. This is the amazing God of us. Every religion gets you to do something. I've got to do this, I've got to pray, I've got to do this. Everyone's got, everyone believes in the sovereign God. Everyone believes they're sinners. But here, our God comes down and says, okay, this is the problem with man, sin. And not only sin, everything about man in the natural sense is can't please God. So what Jesus got comes in as a man without sin, but takes on every fault that we have. He takes on the sin nature. He, 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 sorry, he took on sin in the flesh. He put the crown of thorns, the carnal mind. They, they whipped him as an as a, as a unrighteous man gets whipped. And then the Bible, goes, we can go through the whole lot. He became sin who knew no sin. He, he, he was a curse that hung on a tree. We go through the whole lot. So he did everything he could. Every legal right the devil had on you. Listen to me. Every legal right. Every legal, every sin, everything you've ever committed, every thought you've ever had, everything is really on a book of the devil. And he brings it up to the court of God. And he says, this is who your children are. And you know what? God says, well, hey, that's true. And then Jesus stands there as my attorney and says, but this is who he is today. Because, oh, I don't remember your sin no more because it's under the blood. Jesus took my punishment. He stood in the court of God and said, it is finished. And God says, devil, get out. This is what he's talking about. In order for you to walk, your, to walk out your life, to call out, see, your destiny is within you. The seed of God is within you. 
What God has called you to do is within you. See, you want to make excuses for your life, and every time I make an excuse for a sin, I empower it. Every time I use an excuse, I use my natural mind to justify my lifestyle, guess what? The devil gives a sit there and I got him again. God, I empower it. But if I walk in the Spirit, because how do you do that? We can start with faith in Christ. Have, just believe the fact that you're forgiven, that you're a son and a daughter of the King. Just believe that. Just believe that. It took me a long time to move on from that. You know why? Because I did. When I established my sonship, when I understood I'm a true son of God, everything fell off. See, sometimes we're trying to get rid of this habit and that habit, and I'm praying against that habit and that thought. And, that, and sometimes God say, kneel down before me and accept my sonship. And then all those things go away. See, sometimes we're trying to fix our dirty habit here, drinking, smoking, watching this, going here. Trying, but God says, but come and lay before me and I'll put a new spirit inside you and all those just fall away. See, here I'm trying to clean the, uh, uh, a spider web. And here I'm trying to put out fires. And the devil goes, you know, when you get over there, oh, a lot of fire over there. And then a lot of fire there. And then when you get into the church, you go, wow. And then they're gossiping about me. And they don't invite me. And we've got all these stupid things. And God says, lay before me because you came to me, not to the church. See, if I'm not your head running the show, you're just a headless chook. See, we're trying to fight little fires, put away this and that. And if we just understood, oh, I'm a son of a king. My Father in heaven loves me. Jesus died for me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. If God be for me, who can be against me? He wants a reaction and we give him the reaction. Don't react. Come in an opposite spirit. You know, whoo! I preach, I preach myself happy. They mocked Jesus. Jesus said something very powerful. He says, Peter came with the sword to try and protect Jesus. And Jesus says, don't you know I could call 12, 12 legions of angels? I could just call them like that. He, is, do, we, do we receive by faith and not by sight? Speak to me. Do we, do we receive by faith? It, if the Bible says if it's impossible to please God without faith, okay. Jesus, the Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Are you, stay with me here. Jesus was faith in action. Because out of his obedience was faith in action. I only do what I see my father do. Imagine when they whipped him. And out of him came angels of God. Guess what would have happened? Because his faith, 12,000 angels would have came down just because of his word. For he was the word that became flesh. If, he, if they kicked him the wrong way, he says, he was in heaven, right? They worshipped him. He could have said anything out of his spirit and it would have happened. Even if he didn't mean it. If he said, Father, help me. Guess what? Angels would have came down. But he didn't open up his mouth. The Bible says he went to he went to the to, to the shearer like a sheep to the shearer like a lamb to the slaughter and did not open his mouth. In other words, in Christ was nothing but faith. In Christ, nothing but hope. In Christ, but nothing but love. 
If he could have a spiritual x-ray, when they stabbed him, love came out. If they kicked him, they, you know what? Mercy came out. He's on the cross. His father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The guy looks like a piece of meat shredded to pieces. See, in Christ was nothing. If Je- oh, Pastor Cindy said, if Jesus got drunk, only mercy would come out because there's no evil in him. <laughs> so if Jesus opened his mouth anyway, faith would have just caught it. He said, I can ask my father now for 12 Legions of angels. You know how much one legion is? A thousand. He could ask for 12 legions. 12,000 angels would have come and wrecked that joint and took him home. But he knew what he had to do. He knew that if I get out of this situation now, this time of tribulation, this time of torment, this time of anguish when he bled, the minor pain relief would have been a major catastrophe for us. If, even if Pontius Pilate killed him on the whipping, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. It would have been an execution. But even then he didn't die. He had to get to the cross. That was the only words Moses and Elijah said on the mountain of transfiguration. They said, the Bible says, if you read it, I think it's in John, it says, not every translation says it, but one that says, they spoke to him about his decease in Jerusalem. And that was the only thing heaven's concerned about now, Jesus, is you getting to that cross. Imagine he had to get to the finish line. His finish line was the cross. The Bible says that the hope, that the hope that was set before him, there was a hope that was set before him. Like outside their door, there's hope. People, come on, let's go. The hope that was set before him, he endured the cross. If you just get that. In Jesus, there was nothing. There's nothing vile about him. There's no evil about him. He just had to open his mouth the wrong way and the, and the cross was over. And the Bible says he sat there quiet. Why? Because he had you in your mind. He had you in your mind. He had you in your mind. He had you. He, see, the carnal mind, I'm, I don't care about you, man. I'm not, I'm not going to give you my son to die for you. You probably will forget about me in five minutes when you walk out the door. But Christ says, no, but have you all in my mind. See, we came from God in his image. He loves us so much. And you know what? No matter the temporary pain you're going through, is eternal pleasure later. Not that you're going through pain to get eternity. No, but what you're going through today, if you put your faith in Christ, he'll get you through to the other side, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If Jesus got pain relief in that moment, it would have been a major eternal disaster for us. But he understood the job that he had. And don't think, oh, he's the son of God. He went through it, bro. The Bible says that he sweat blood. His, his pores burst. That's not a religious thing. That's someone under extreme pressure. You can blast blood vessels in your face when you're under that much extreme pressure. And he went to the cross. And I'm telling you all this to understand. This is the foundation of the faith that we walk in. I made a pledge to God. I'll never complain about what I go through again. I'm not going to accept it because that's not God's will, but I'll never complain. You know why? Because I know what he went through. And I made a decision. I haven't complained about anything for a long time. Because if I know him and I get him, I get everything that comes with him. Hallelujah. But do you know him? See, I believe most of us are walking, instead of the crown of righteousness that he gave us, we're walking in the crown of thorns. We're walking still in the carnal and the cursed mind. Trying to work out why this happened to me. Why does this happen to me? I'll tell you a, a story about that. And it broke my heart. Old minister, he's a very old man. 
He was a grandfather of, um, of someone that we knew, the kids played, played footy with. And he was a minister from, a, from another denomination, but he was a lovely man, you know, served God all his life. But, then I, but I see this man, and he, he, had, he had faith, and he had the knowledge of Scripture, and he was more of a theologian, and he understood line upon line and precept. He understood God's ways. He understood the Bible and the history of the Bible. But there was something that was amiss. His son never believed. His other, like, they just weren't believers, but he was strong, and I couldn't work it out. And they're lovely people, but I one day I got talking to the son, and he said to me, yeah, that was a minister. Yeah, he had churches. He, had, he went to mission trips. And, and I go, what happened? Like, but, but, but what happened? Like, what, what's, like the, he goes, because he, he doesn't, he believes, but he doesn't believe the son. He says to me, oh, but something happened to my dad. I go, what happened to your dad? He says, my brother died in a car crash when he was younger. And his whole question for the last 20 years, why? Why did you do this to me, God? Or why did you let that happen, God? Because I served you all my life. I've started churches all my life. I, 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 I went mission trips all my life. And, and that why question, that, and, I, and I, I've never had that happen to me, so I'm not judging the man. But that question that, that, that he's asking, the why is coming from the carnal mind. And that took 20 years of his life. And I look at him and I look at the grant and no one's a believer really. I thought, because of your decision of hurt and pain, you've affected generations. I'm never going to let the, what happens to me affect my generation. Because I've got dominion. I took dominion. I said, Lord, your will be done, not mine. And it breaks my heart to see that. And I've heard a thousand stories like that. And, and, and you know what? God's not really upset with your why question. The problem is you stay there because what answer can he give you that's going to satisfy you? Let's be honest. Why did he end up like that? Why did my dad do that? Why did my mum do that? Why was I born in this family? Why, why, why? Why, 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 Delilah? It wasn't that a song? <laughs> See, David fought... Oh, what time is it? Hallelujah, I'm on time. David fought Goliath. And the Bible says he took five smooth stones from the river. Are you with me? You know that story. He takes five. But before that, David says, see, you don't know your destiny. See, God knows your destiny. You might be called to do something out of due season. Or it could be your season. You just don't know it. See, David was a shepherd boy playing harps. and you know, the, well, Even when Samuel came to anoint a king, he goes, go to Jesse's house. And, and, and the, you're going to anoint a king from there. So he brings out seven boys. Oh, everyone, good looking, smart, big, strong, tough. Blah, blah. He goes, nah, that's not him. Nah, that's not him. Nah, that's not him. That's not him. And God, he's thinking, well, you got any other sons, man? Because they look the part. They smell the part. I'd pick him. Look at the size of him. He goes, but that's not who God's picked. He goes, yeah, I've got one weirdo outside. He looks after sheep and plays harps and writes poetry. He says, get him. But, but oh, these boys are heavy duty. Look at him. No. He's got first, you know, he's ducks at the school and he's educated and he's good looking. And this, this, this. He looks after smelly sheep. Look at the poetry he writes. He says, get him. Comes in, his little boy, pimples. Hi. <laughs> I don't know if that's how he walked, but hey, I've got the mic. It's my story. And if you don't like it, complain to the management. Oh, no, we are the management, sorry. <laughs> He goes, I want him. 
See, what the world discards, God will pick. Here's him. And he anoints him. You know what the Bible says? They anoint him with oil. How do they, you know how they anoint him? None of these. They get the horn of an animal and they fill it up and they pour it on his head and there's oil running down. Most of these living these women, come on, I just mopped the floor. How are you going to get the grease off the floor? You're like, I mean, well, who brought this guy in in my house? But he, he got the horn, filled it up with oil and tipped it and the Bible says it went all the way down. Baptism and anointing. He says, you're the king. See, God called him king, anointed him as king, but his destiny wasn't then. He prepared him and says, now, what is he going to do with that? He's a kid. But one day his father goes, go and check on your brothers. They're fighting the, uh, the Philistines. And he's going. <laughs> Again, I don't know if he skipped, but I just, just for, the, for the story. He's taking food and all of a sudden, the Bible says that for 40 days, Goliath is spreading words and, and, and cursing and Tormenting them for 40 days. Listen to this. What a, what a picture this is, right? The devil Goliath, picture of the devil Goliath, no, tormenting. He goes, come on, have you got anyone that can fight me? Come on, anyone. I'll tell you what. Anyone that fights me and wins, you can kill us all. Have it all. Because you know what happens in those days? Whoever won the fight, the first thing they do is go and kill that leader. They get rid of the leadership straight away so that you can't have a coup. Now Saul's there, they're all hiding behind... And David comes, what's going on? What are you doing here? Get out of here, man. It's always about you, David. It's always about you. And then he goes, this Philistine's cursing him. 40 days, and he was using intimidation. He was using his mouth of words of fear and intimidation. And they're hiding. Isn't that like the devil? The first place he attacks you is in your mind. We can't beat him. He's a giant. And David, four foot nothing, wringing wet, says... Who was this uncircumcised Philistine tormenting the children of Israel? Go home, man. He said, I'll fight him. You? He said, yeah. I looked after sheep. And when nobody was watching me, I killed a bear and a lion. He killed a bear and a lion to protect the sheep. And he's basically saying, I can't kill him, but God was with me. That's why I killed him. He goes, I'll, he goes God's with me. I'll get him. So the first thing Saul does, he put my armor on. You can't carry someone else's anointing. You can't carry someone else's gifting. You've got to find out what your gifting is. See, David, did, Goliath's words didn't intimidate him because he knew that God is for us who can be against us. Because, you know, I can't fight with this armor. I, I'm not learned in this armor. It's too big. It's not me. You know, another picture is that Saul wants to send him out in his armor and hopefully he thinks it's Saul. When he's dead, his soul can do a runner. That's what happens. Saul was no baby. Saul was seven foot tall, the Bible says. He was no midget. But David comes along, he says, no, no, I can't fight with this. This, this is too heavy. This is, not my, this is not me. I can't be you, Saul. But isn't it interesting? King Saul, who was picked by the people, not by God. God ordained him because that's what they wanted. Saul was picked by the natural mind and David was picked by the spiritual mind. And he says, I can't wear your armor. I'm not you. But I'm going to take my five stones and my, and my slingshot and I'm going to go get him. And the Bible says he takes five smooth stones. Five represents the number of what? Five represents the number of grace. What, are, what else is five? The fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher, and evangelist. That's the ones that Jesus gave us after he rose. Amen? 
contrary to what people say. He takes five smooth stones, not rough stones, smooth. You know why they were smooth? They were falling down the river in the anointing of the river. In other words, if you're getting roughed up here in church and you're getting upset with someone and you're, the word's cutting you, good. God's roughing you up so you can become a smooth stone. Because until you become smooth, God can't use you to defeat the devil. The river represents the word of God, the anointing of God. Don't get offended every time you see Tom... I was going to say Tom, Dick and Harry, but I can't say that Harry in the church. Anyway, five stones. And he goes out and then this is, this is, and this is, see if I didn't say that, no one would know what I was talking about. But, and he goes out there and then Goliath, the devil is trying to intimidate him. He goes, am I a dog? That you send this little peeny weeny little harp playing to fight me? He goes, yeah, I'll show you how. Slingshot hits him where? Straight in the head. The carnal mind. What did, the, what did the Bible say? I haven't even got to the best part of this sermon yet. He hits him, he falls to the ground. Now they're in shock. And he runs and he takes the sword of Goliath. Now Goliath was nine foot tall, so his sword was pretty prick. Supernaturally, David grabs the sword because he couldn't pick it up, it was that heavy, and he chopped his head off. Why did he chop his head off? He took away his headship and his authority over them. Because he's the true head. And he carries the head. Souvenir. Where does he take it? He takes it to, eventually to Jerusalem. The sword in the head apparently. I don't know how he got it there. But isn't it interesting that the Bible says that if we go back to Genesis, the snake, the serpent, is going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Let's look at it this way. Mary will give birth or mankind will give birth to the seed of God, which is Jesus. Jesus, his heel was bruised, but he crushed the head of the serpent at the cross. Yeah? Now this is how it's said. What does Calvary, when Jesus went up to Calvary, the word Calvary, what's the name of the hill that he... Golgotha. In the Aramaic, it's Golgotha. The word Golgotha means the skull. Because from a distance, it looks like two eyes and a skull. So Jesus, listen to this. Jesus gets risen up. Have you got that photo? Jesus on the cross. He's been lifted up. There's blood pouring. He's been whipped. He's been, he's been scourged. He's been, his beard ripped off. The thorns are in his head. He's been bashed. He's leaking. He's his oil. He's, the Bible says he was disfigured unto human recognition. And the blood's running down. Where's the blood end up? On his heel. He bruised his heel and crushed the head of the serpent. Where? On the place called the skull. Calvary's cross. He took the head of the... Are you getting this? If he's done all that... Hallelujah. Can we stand? If he's done all that... Don't shut off the, the Zoom yet because I'm not finished. But I just want people to... If you're listening online, you need to hear this. I want you to stand up so I can get your focus here. If he's became a curse... And he took the thorns on his head and crucified the carnal mind. He's going to give you the mind of Christ. And he became a curse so you can become blessed. And then he took our unrighteousness and gave us his righteousness. So now your spirit is reborn of him. And then he's giving you the Holy Spirit. And all he asks you to do is to believe him and to search out your heart and obey him. To believe and obey. And that's true faith. Oh, I have faith. Yeah, but you do nothing with it. In other words, true faith is I believe, I receive, and I do. 
If he's done all that, and I just showed you three pictures of the curse being broken. I just showed you how he, the, the, the seed, he bruised his head and crushed the head of the devil. Why did, why did he crush his head? Because that's where the lies come from, the head, the mouth. Rab says it all the time. He's, the, the, the snake's eyes are always open. He's always watching you, waiting for an opportune time. And he's always hissing. He's always telling lies. And what did Jesus do? He crushed his head. And he thought he beat him because the bruising was the cross. They thought they'd won. But when he rose from the dead, <laughs> he crushed the devil, took his power, his dominion, and all authority that was given unto him, he took it back. And then he says, now, I'll give it back unto you. But this time, guess what? He gave it back to the church, the body of Christ, you and me. But guess who's the head? Jesus. He gave you the mind. There is nothing. God has not left anything out for you. But it's up to you to search out a matter. It's up to you to believe him. It's up to you because you know what he'll do? You know what he'll do? He'll start chipping away at you. And the more time I spend with him, the more I become like him. And David took the head of Goliath because there's only one head. His name is Jesus. When John the Baptist came proclaiming the truth, his head was taken off. John the Baptist, the Bible says, the law and the prophets were up until John. And from that time, the, gospel, the kingdom of God is preached. So the laws and the prophets spoke about Jesus, spoke about the Messiah, spoke about him. And it was only up to John. It all culminated with John the Baptist. And he came, declared truth from birth. Could declare truth. I'm not the one, the one that comes after me. And he baptized him and the Holy Spirit falls. He sees all that. And he goes, but are you the one waiting for another? His head had to come off. Why? Because he's a picture of the old law. The old law was a picture. He was a, he was a culmination of the Old Testament, of the law. And that was the head. And that headship had to die because there's a new head. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Oh, I pray you get this, man. He's the new head. The helmet of salvation, what is it? Put on the helmet. We don't fight flesh and blood. So what do you need a helmet for? It's to think of the salvation of the Lord. Are you saved? To do what? To say, I'm going to heaven? No, you've got to have his mind. Salvation isn't just, I'm going to heaven. I live like him, I breathe like him, I think like him, I taste like him, I look like him, I speak like him. That's the helmet of salvation. And today, you need to understand, it's a finished work. See, he's done his role. And now he gave us the Holy Spirit so we can do ours. Not to get salvation, not to get healed. See, stop praying for Stop praying for stuff. Stop praying for something. Start praying from something. I pray from the Father's throne. I thank you for my healing. What did I start the meeting with? Walk into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Don't walk in, oh, I've got a need, Lord. He knows your need. Come with thanksgiving. Give him something to land on. Give him something to land on. See, when someone hits you, faith comes out. Because you know what? Ultimately, at the end of the day, when you put it all down, he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful preacher. Well done, good and faithful worship leader. Well done, good and faithful minister. Well done, good and faithful singer. Well done, good and faithful kingdom builder. Well done, good and faithful church planter. No, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I serve the king. I serve my father in heaven, not as a slave, but as a son. Amen. Jesus says, I come to serve, not to be served. He came with his full sonship, his full inheritance, but he served. 
See, Jesus had to die. You know, like the horn that the horn, the, 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 the horn of the animal was filled with oil and they poured it on David. Why? Something had to die. Something had to die so someone could be anointed. Jesus, whatever was in Jesus had to die. Because when they killed him, what was in him could come out of him. So he could come upon us. So he went from the Son of God to the Son of Man. And when he died on the cross, we could become the sons of God. Unless he dies, he cannot produce him, reproduce himself. So he's giving us everything pertaining to life. You can talk about revival. You can talk about holiness. You can talk about the miracles. You can talk about faith. But if you don't get active and get working with him and co-labor with him, you can talk about it. And I know people will talk about it to the day they die and not experience it. But isn't it sad that God's given us the kingdom and we don't experience his kingdom? Do you reckon you like that? Do you like how he, he preached that? Do you like how he waved that flag over there? Do you, do you believe in that? Do you believe people falling over? Do you believe, and people get consumed with the, the minors and they forget the majors. Someone said to me, you know, I don't like that. You know, you know what the Pharisees did? They were worried about a guy getting healed on the Sabbath. Instead of saying, that guy had a withered hand. In other words, he didn't have a hand. It was withered, it was shrunk, and it came out. He goes, but it's the Sabbath, you're not allowed to work. You morons. Oh, you healed this old lady. You know what they're upset? Because you couldn't heal her. She was coming here for uh, 18 years, withered. And Jesus says, isn't she a daughter of Abraham? When I read that, I said, what does that mean, is she a daughter of Abraham? You know what it means? Isn't she the, uh, a child of the inheritance of faith? She's got an inheritance. She, she was a sinner like everyone else. She was a child of Adam like everyone else. But yet he says, she's in the temple serving. She should be healed. Because in this spirit left her, and she lifted her back up. And I go, but it's the Sabbath. Sabbath? You're more worried about the rules and the regulations. And we need to have order. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? We limit God because we know, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not this. I'm not that. You know what? If you give your life, to, if you die, he'll anoint you. How's that sound? The quicker you die, the quicker he lives in you. And we just went through scripture after scripture after scripture. Because when they looked up, they saw his feet. I love what Dorian said in Brazil. And when he rose from the dead, the disciples saw him go up. And the last thing they saw was his feet. And when he comes back, guess what we're going to see? His feet. And what do feet represent? The peace of the gospel. The sandals of peace. He gave you peace. And today is the day to let go of the garbage and put it back to where it belongs, under the curse. Because you're not under a curse. You've been blessed. You're not in the carnal mind. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap. Next week, I'll talk about the crown of glory that God shares with us. He's the king, and we are the king of... He, we are kings, and he's the king of kings. And I'm not talking about a king and a royal family, relaxing people, ordained people next week. I'm going to talk about your kingship, your authority that God's given you to walk in your God-given authority. Amen? You're a king, a priest, and a prophet in your own home. Hallelujah! Start walking with people in victory, amen? If I, if I focus on the minors, I'll never get the majors. Let him deal with the major things in your life and the minor stuff will fall away. And a lot of the times you don't know what's major in your life. See, it took a giant tormenting the children of Israel for 40 days for the truth of who David was to come out. It took Abraham to nearly sacrifice his son to realize that God is his provider. It took a flood to show the world that Noah had faith to build the ark. 
You know, sometimes situations come in your life to show and to bring out what God's already placed inside you. See, if you want to be comfortable, get uncomfortable. Because you have to get comfortably uncomfortable. Because walking this walk, you can be comfortable sitting at home, you're not going to achieve nothing. But you know what? God has got my back. God has got my back. And sometimes what you go through can be the stepping stone to get you to your destiny. Come on, man. I'm not saying God threw that at you. I'm not saying God took a family member from you. I didn't say God broke up your marriage. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes what you go through will lead you to your destiny. But don't ask the question why. From a place of, you better tell me or I'm not moving on. What if he says, why not? I'll serve him no matter what. He owes me nothing. If he says to us, owe no man nothing but to love them, what does God owe me? God owes me nothing. God owes you nothing. But you know what he does? Out of love, he does it. Out of love, he brought us into his kingdom. Out of love, he brought us into his family. It was love that drove him to the cross. And he loves you. But he's waiting for a people to believe what he has to say. Because he says in the last days, they'll stop hearing what he has to say. And they'll gather themselves teachers that their itching ears want to hear. In other words, I don't like what he's saying. I'll go find someone else that I like. But maybe, hey, but maybe what God's trying to get to you is something to purge you so you can get to your destination, to get to the place you want to believe. Don't believe the lie of the enemy anymore. He has been defeated. Don't look about someone else's walk or circumstance. We can get, we can get encouraged by people's walks. Don't get me wrong. But my faith is not based on someone's walk. My faith is based on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's my faith. That's my faith. I may never achieve what other people achieve, but I'm definitely not going to fall for no reason. I'm not going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Jesus, where are you going to lead me? I will go. To have a heart to serve Him. The lie of the enemy is to attack your mind. And the first thing you do, bring every thought and every imagination, every image, everything that is against the knowledge of God. How do I do that? Well, how do I know what's against the knowledge of God? If it's not life, it's not from the devil. It's from the devil, not from God. It has to be life. He gave you life and life more in abundance. Amen. Father, I thank you for tonight. I worship you. You're my King. You're my Lord. You're also a loving Father. Well, Father, let this word sink into our deep, into our spirit. Father, you bring revelation to people today. You would speak to them, not as slaves or servants, but as sons and daughters. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. For the hope that was set before Him, He endured the cross. I go about my Father's business to seek and save the lost. This is what Jesus did. The Bible says, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. The Bible says He went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. See, if you don't know God, look at the characteristics of Jesus and you'll know God. We love you, Lord. 
We worship you, Father. You're our King. We worship you, Jesus. Pour your love out tonight. The devil has had people tied up for too long. Have I done enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I fasted enough? Have I... You know, listen to me. It's not about enough. It's about Him. The Spirit of truth. He'll guide us into all truth. But if you're going to say no to the world, you're going to say yes to Jesus. Your no is no power unless you say yes to something. If you're going to say, I'm going to die to self, you're going to say, I'm going to live in Christ. You can't just say, I want to die. I'm not going to do this anymore. No, no, you're going to say yes. Your yes is only as strong as uh, the, empowered by the no. And the no is only empowered by the yes. In other words, if you make a decision today to give your life to Christ and let Him, you know what? Put your whole heart and say, no more devil and yes to Jesus. He's touching people right now. He's love and mercy. It's not about what people think or say about you. It's what God says about you. He says, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. How much more? If Adam was fearfully and wonderfully made, how much more us when Jesus died for us and sealed it with his blood? And if you don't know Jesus tonight, if you, if, 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 if you don't, this is for the people that just don't know how to, this is the day of your salvation. This is the moment and time that God's knocking on your heart. Because he's won the victory and he wants to give it the spoils to you right now. So Father, I thank you tonight. We love you and we worship you as King. But you're our Lord. I give you all the praise, Father. I thank you for tonight. Release what's inside them, Father. Release them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you on Wednesday. Um, please, let this word resonate. Know that you have been set free. Amen. Amen. Bless you. The floor's open if you want prayer. But if not, we're on again Wednesday from 6.30. And we're back here next Sunday. I'll finish off this series next. Amen.